0: Welcome to Debate Night, everybody. My name is Charlie Kirk. Debate is at the core of our constitutional republic. Shared ideas inspire collaboration and innovation. Debate makes way for empathy and wisdom, and it shapes our culture. America is a unique place where allowing the best ideas to win is both a means for progress and the essence of freedom threats to debate suffocate the air within churches and classrooms, spoil dinners amongst friends, and give unwarranted failing grades to college students and deprive American institutions of conversation. That is over, starting now on Debate Night. Here, all ideas are welcome and conversation is the point. We'll present two sides of an issue and let both points breathe. This isn't for the sake of winning an argument, but for exercising and thus preserving our right to free speech. America is not debatable, but ideas are. Tonight's debate tackles Fauci virus restrictions and mask mandates in schools, but the conversation can go anywhere. Tonight's special guest is host of the acclaimed show Indisputable on the Young Turks Network, as well as the Rashad Ritchie Morning Show, airing daily on News Talk 1380 WAOK. You may also know our guest from MSNBC, the Fox News Channel, Black News Channel, or BBC America, where he regularly stars as an analyst, providing insights on things that he calls social justice and cultural issues. He is the president of Rolling Out Magazine, which reaches over two million readers every single month, and his passion for building a better world for America's youth sparked the Rashad Ritchie Foundation, which helps improve the lives of children in at-risk communities. He's a lecturer, a professor, analyst, host, writer, and editor at large. Tonight's guest is a dynamic force, and I'm thrilled to have him here. And he's objectively a very nice person. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Rashad Ritchie to debate. Welcome to debate night here at Turning Point USA headquarters. Honored to have with us today Dr. Ritchie, a very well-known radio talk show host in Atlanta, also a college professor, amongst many other things I'm sure I'm forgetting. And today we're going to be talking about COVID mandates, schools, masks and so much more. The way that this conversation will go is uh, Dr. Ritchie will begin with some thoughts uh, for two minutes uninterrupted. I'll respond with two minutes uninterrupted and we'll go back and forth in that format for about a minute each. Then we'll take about a 10 second break or a little bit break and uh, then we'll just kind of have at it. And so Dr. Ritchie, thank you for being here and the floor is yours. You about to be in trouble, Charlie.
1: <laughs> All right, here's the thing. Mask mandates in schools are 100% appropriate and here's why. First of all, the vast majority of American voters actually support mask mandates for school teachers uh, and for those who are inside of the school system. Uh, But let's look at what it actually does. A mask mandate, people that argue against it, they say this is an intrusion on civil liberties. But think about it, a dress code, is that an intrusion on civil liberty? A vaccination mandate, is that an intrusion on civil liberty? Let me bring you back to K through 12 education again. 100% of all public schools in the United States of America require vaccination to enter. That's your vaccine passport already in play. 92% of private institutions require a vaccine in order to attend. Let's go to the mask mandate. The mask mandate protocol is in place for the safety of of students, this is based on verifiable science, 90% of those in the field of science, the field of study, they say that yes, it actually decreases the spread of COVID-19. But now you have people around this country, literally rather than throwing on the mask, they rather throw fists. They're fighting school teachers. They're fighting those that oppose them and they are threatening to fight school board members because of a mask mandate. I have not seen this kind of activity at school board meetings over anything except for these mandates. But remember, mandates are already in place. School boards have the statutory authority to implement administrative law given to them by the states based on the construct of the Tenth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. These school boards well within their constitutional right and statutory authority in order to implement such a protocol just as they have the ability to say, here's the dress code here's the vaccination requirement, here's the teacher credentialing requirement, and here's what it takes to pass to the next grade.
0: Very good. Thank thank you, Dr. Ritchie. So here's how to first respond. First of all, we have to ask ourselves the question, is the Chinese coronavirus or the Fauci virus a serious threat to children? That's the first question. And so Dr. Macquarie wrote a story, wrote a piece, I should say, for the Wall Street Journal where he studied tens of thousands, over 40,000 children with the virus and was not able to find one child that died from the virus that did not have underlying health conditions and that did not have um, some sort of immunocompromised condition. And so you look even more broadly than that. And this is from the New York Times. I just want to read this, which is annual deaths among children in the United States. Now, this is per 100,000 people. So children, five to 14 years old, have a 2.1 per 100,000 chance of dying from cancer, a 1.9 per 100,000 chance of dying from vehicle accidents, 1.5 per 100,000 to die from suicide. We'll get back to that in a second. 0.7 from homicide, 0.6 from cardiovascular disease, 0.5 from drowning, 0.3 from flu, and 0.2 from COVID. Now, that's not percentage. That's per 100,000. So the question is, If children are at a greater risk of riding in a car to school, then why all of a sudden should we now mandate the masks for children? So I think we're talking about two different things, and I think we'll have a fun time going back and forth at the unscripted part of this is do schools have the ability and the authority? And is it a good idea? I'm going to start with whether it's a good idea then we can get into the other one. It's an awful idea. It's bad for interaction, it's bad for childhood development. We already see the increase in mental health issues that I will go through some of the numbers associated with that, but everyone has kind of experienced that in their own way. And saying to a child who is not at considerable risk of dying from a certain virus that you must change the way you interact, I think, is child abuse, and the floor is yours.
1: All right, you have one minute, Dr. All right so let's talk about uh, the numbers, Yes. okay? Uh, The Delta variant has changed the game in many ways. Where now you have children who not only have the virus, but they are experiencing adverse uh, reactions from the virus like never before. I take you to a place called Jackson County, Mississippi. There's a school superintendent. Uh, This guy decided to ignore all COVID-19 protocols. He says he's going to live a life that's external of the fear of the pandemic. Well, his school system, they have a 7 percent a COVID positive rating. They've already lost a school teacher. Here's the other dynamic that people aren't considering. You think children go to school in silos? These children who can be carriers of COVID-19 can infect their social uh, environment, such as their parents, their grandparents, other peer groups, people that their families associate with. And then it becomes an issue of the ecosystem of our safety, not just the silo of the school system. Very good.
0: I will respond. So I'm glad you brought up the Delta variant. So a lot of people have done some at least some initial studies of the Delta variant. So according to Dr. Roberta DeBasi of the Children's National Hospital, she was asked about Ari Shapiro from National Public Radio about the Delta variant. The National Public Radio host said, wait a second, if kids under 12 are not vaccinated, is is the Delta variant a significant risk? And she said, quote, children are still somewhat between 12 to 15 percent of all COVID cases and still three to four percent of all hospitalizations. And we have not seen a huge change in that, even with the Delta variant. Now, I'll add to that where the Boston Globe, not exactly, you know, a politicized paper to the right. Ask the question, is the variant more severe in children? Dr. Sharon Doran, epidemiologist at Tufts Medical Center, says, no, I have not seen any peer-reviewed data or data from a reliable source to suggest that. So I would submit, doctor, that there is no data to show the Delta variant has any harsher cause. In fact, the data shows the opposite.
1: Let me respond. All right. Um, So here's what we know about the Delta variant. Uh, Based on CDC directives, Uh, The Delta variant is more adversely affecting young people than it has previous with the original design Uh, to suggest otherwise is silly. And here's why you can go to a place like Alabama, Alabama, for the first time, they have run out of ICU beds. The Alabama leadership governing beyond, they have blamed this on children going to hospitals that did not go before with the original covid virus. They're now being hospitalized like never before, and they're running out of ICU beds. And at some point, this week or next week, they may run out of ICU beds. That's because of the hospitalization, not only of adults, but also of children. At last count, they had over 400 children hospitalized for COVID. They had a fraction of that during the first onset of the virus. Almost
0: perfect timing. I got to give you credit for that. It's almost like you do radio or something. So I'll respond to this in a couple different ways. And there's a lot more to unpack once we kind of go back and forth. First, we have to ask ourselves the question, are people being hospitalized because of COVID or with COVID? Now, this is something I've been saying for quite some time. But The Atlantic, which is a publication, I think we can both agree is not exactly on the right, came out with this at the end of their article, it was actually just published recently, where they asked the question, and this is the same doctor, Dr. Shara Doran, who's an epidemiologist at Tufts Medical Center from Boston, very reputable, right? So she disagrees with the CDC. She says Delta variant is not a significant risk for children, right? And we're going to talk about what, can, what, can, what, what do you do when you disagree when you have competing studies? Because I think that would be an interesting discussion where she said, quote, as we shift from cases to hospitalizations as a metric to drive policy and assess risk, we should refine the definition of hospitalization. Those patients who are there with rather than from COVID don't belong in the metric. So I would just say, doctor, when you say 400 kids are hospitalized with COVID, we don't know that's necessarily
1: true. In fact, some say that number might be even 50 times too large. All right, here's the thing, Charlie, and I keep, I keep hearing people make this argument that somehow it matters that children who have an underlying health condition are the ones who are dying or being hospitalized. That doesn't matter, Charlie. The fact is that these are children and some of these children aren't even aware if they have an underlying condition and that's not 100% of the data. So when we continue to create this us and them narrative that somehow says, well, the only children who are dying are those that have an underlying health condition, well, hell, You can have an underlying health condition that does not make you any less significant as it relates to a virus or the spread of a virus that's preventable. So are we having an argument about a civil liberty? Because if this is an argument about a civil liberty, then the covid issue is a separate argument because you have no issue with your seatbelt mandate. You have no issue with your mandate to have a driver's license, even though you can buy a car without it. You have no issue with these other mandates which are required for the safety of others, but you have an issue with this mandate, which we've already established that statutorily school boards have the authority to implement these mandates and American citizens by and large are for the mandates in K through 12 education.
0: So I'll get to the civil liberties in a second. As, as you notice, I didn't mention it all. I'm saying this is a bad idea. Right. This is bad for children. And also it's it's bad for teachers, bad for an educational environment. And so I'm going to reiterate one thing. I'm not minimizing that it's children with underlying health conditions that are dying but children with underlying health conditions have a predisposition from dying from any sort of infectious disease. And the vast majority of children in this country are healthy, which is why we frame it in that way. And so this kind of goes to this question, a couple different questions. And I would love to ask this question to you. Um, let's just focus on whether this is a good idea, then we could focus on whether the government has the ability. Do you think there are any downsides to children wearing masks in schools?
1: Hell yeah! Of course there are downsides to it. There are downsides to wearing a seatbelt. You know, a percentage of people die every year for wearing a seatbelt, but the vast majority of them have their lives saved. So, Great. so let me be clear on I'm this. I'm glad you, I'm so glad. Let me be clear on this. There will always be a cause and effect relationship with any social variable change implemented in our current structural society. No matter what, mask create changes it is a social deviation from the norm but when you look at the risk of a child either having severe respiratory complications forever potentially dying or potentially infecting their parents or grandparents we weigh that we weigh the same variables as it relates to vaccines that are already mandated brother in the school system the vaccines that are already mandated are very clear mumps um, Measles, R- polio, all rubella, MML. I mean, Every I mean, single one so, but of but them. Let me ask, but do you have an issue with those?
0: It's a totally different type of Why? vaccine, first of all. First of all, those take 10 to 15 years on average to develop. Secondly, they've just changed the definition of a vaccine. So you have an did issue you, with did, the
1: vaccine, not the intrusion or. Well, again, we'll get to the liberty. civil
0: liberty part of it. Right. Okay. So I'm not saying that a school does not have the ability to mandate certain things. Instead, okay. my argument is that this is detrimental to children, their development, mental health issues, their mm-hmm. ability to interact. And it doesn't even do what it's you say it's going to do. So let me just read something okay. that a study was done about masks that shows that if the mask is even adjusted by three point two percent. It totally invalidates any sort of efficacy of a mask. Who did so, that study, Charlie? Well, this was written by Daniel Horowitz. But and it was who Stephen did study? Petty, one of the most certifi- experienced certified industrial hygienists and exposure experts in the country, has a study that he did on this. So Stephen Petty, the audience can look at it, and they can have their own sort of interpretation. Now, most of the mask studies that you're probably going to mention are done in laboratory-style environments, not with six-year-old children. And you can agree, you've seen six-year-olds, they're moving the mask all the time, which totally negates any sort of potential benefit. So if okay. kids aren't going to wear them properly and the cloth mask is basically a joke, then why, sub- why subject them to this kind of submissive kind of cloth face diaper?
1: All right. So you're incorrect on the data. So let me go ahead and okay. correct that data. Um, first off, uh, the data that you're citing is what we call an outlier data set. Okay. 92% of the field of actual research scientists agree that masks decreased the spread of COVID. As a matter of fact, the only deviation from that agreement is by how much? The lowest end is 10%, the highest is 91%. Can I ask but, a question about that? I get to, Yeah. give me one second brother. All right, so University of California, they have a study uh, and they uh, posted this just a few days ago. And if anybody wants to read it, it's called Still Confused About Masks, okay? One of the lab studies that they highlighted showed in a high speed camera scenario, respiratory droplets. This is how the virus travels with the viral load. Those respiratory droplets were found within 20 to 500 micrometers. That's your size. They were generated from saying a simple phrase. So just talking to somebody creates a viral load, 20 to 500 micrometers, right? Having a cloth in front of your mouth decreased it by virtually 100%. Now, that flies in the face of individuals who say, well, cloth masks do nothing. And remember, cloth masks are also now recommended for public use by the CDC uh, and the uh, the, the, uh, World Health Organization. So when you say they do absolutely nothing, even the data that you cite that says it doesn't do as much is at 10% effectiveness, the other data, that's the majority of the data, says it does it at 80 to 90% effectiveness. So
0: I just want to make sure I'm understanding your position. Your position is that, first of all, does that study factor in whether they wear the mask correctly or not, whether that they're touching the mask all the time and they're moving it? Does okay. that study
1: factor for that? This study factors for droplets that are so it transmitted. Okay. That's but, but, fine. but think about it, but, I mean a seven year old's not gonna not your, touch your their face issue, and move the Brother, mask. think about it. Your issue, the argument you're making with me is an argument of education. That that means that young people have to be more educated. I'm a former high school teacher. All right. There are high school students that may not wear the mask properly. There are grown folks that don't wear the mask properly. that's part of the argument. The issue then is education and proper wearing of the mask. You're literally making my argument for me. That's part of the argument. argument, You're making my argument saying if you wear it properly, then it does, in fact, decrease the spread of COVID.
0: But they don't and they won't. And you know that you're dealing with eight, nine and ten year olds. The other part of the argument, though, is that it actually makes us unfamiliar with one another, harder to communicate. It stunts childhood development. So I want to read some of these numbers. And I want to I ask you, do you think that masking children forcibly is going to help the 90 percent increase in suicide that we saw through March from that 2019 to 20? Is it going to help the nearly doubling? of mental health issues or the 333.9% increase in intentional self-harm claim lines is- You're blaming all that on masks. No, no, I'm I'm not saying that. I'm asking you a question. Mm -hmm. Is that going to help or hurt America's mental health crisis?
1: Let's be very clear, brother, because I want to understand exactly what you're asking. Are you saying that a kid wearing a mask and adjusting to a new social norm yields this result? No, I'm asking you. No, it doesn't yield that result. Okay. There's nothing in the data set that says right,
0: Okay, so you think that masks have no impact whatsoever, potentially in mental health?
1: Brother, I just answered that question. and told you they do have an impact, but COVID-19 has even a stronger impact what makes you on say our that? social development. Because, because, because the, the risk of death, brother, is so low you. for children. Let, no, brother, no. Let me tell you where I come from. When we talk about children, Charlie, we're not talking about a silo of just kids in an educational system. We're talking about kids that are connected to a greater community. I come from a community where this COVID-19 virus brother has ravaged the black community. And it's not just because children wear masks or don't wear masks, it's because of other variables such as uh, healthcare inequity, et cetera. But if you look at children and just say, well, the mask thing is the only thing, it's not just that. We don't want young kids going back to infecting parents and grandparents? And if it's such a bad idea, Charlie, are you disagreeing with over 60% of Americans who say, who care about their children? You can't say these folks don't care about their children. And they are saying in all of the survey data that we want mask mandates for our children so they can be safe. What do you say to those parents that say that?
0: I have a difference of opinion. And by the way, thankfully, we have a system just because you have 60% of opinion doesn't mean it necessarily only becomes law. We'll get to kind of the, I want to get to the civil Which rights thing law. in a second. But it's such a, or it becomes precedent or it gets implemented or whatever it is. So as I mentioned, the New York Times said that COVID, you have a higher chance of dying from flu, flu pneumonia, drowning, cardiovascular disease, suicide, homicide, vi- vehicle accidents. So to be consistent for, per 100,000 for children, <laughs> right? Okay.
1: Are you okay with banning driving? So let's go to this. I'm OK with making sure kids have a uh, a a set of prerequisites in order to drive, which How about by being the a way, passenger. Th- oh, wait a minute. By the way, that's already the law. Children do not get to drive just because they turn a certain age. They have to get a learner's permit, go through a training process in order to get their license. We are. And why do we do that, Charlie? We do that because we know that driving is dangerous. That's why we do that. Right.
0: Well, also being a passenger in a car as well. Well, everything, brother, everything to to some level has a danger, right? If your view is to make safety a priority over liberty, then I'm just Mm. asking you, because that is really the question, right? No. Do you have the liberty to be as God made you without a mask? Right? That God is,
1: made you without clothes. You got clothes on. Well, And we wear clothes for a reason. We know well, that, we know law. the biblical reason for that. It's the law. But, and you will be charged with indecent exposure.
0: God also gave us a face for a reason. be Able to interact and empathize, to communicate. Come on, so man. I can see your expressions. Let me ask Charlie, you a question. Charlie. Come Do you on, think Charlie. this debate would be better or worse if we had masks on?
1: Uh, it'll be the same for me. Really? You think so? Let me tell you something, brother. That's interesting. I, t- okay. I teach college classes and lecture with a mask on. All of my students have masks. I go to law school. We all have masks on. My professor has a mask as well. And I've actually been in schools when schools first started back where masks were required. And let me tell you something about real teachers. School teachers are able to teach with a mask on and without a mask. It's called pedagogy. And some of the really good teachers, they're able to translate the message of the mask into their uh, into their curriculum. But once again, you're avoiding something that's huge and right in our face is the benefit. And this is a question of what you believe. Is the benefit of protecting children by saying you do have to wear a mask, you do have to abide by a dress code, you do have to abide by a particular particular behavioral standard. Are those directives inside of a school system to protect the overall and general safety of students, is that a good idea? I say yes,
0: you say no. Well, and I think you're coming from a false premise. The data I showed is that they're not at risk. And considerably from the delta variant. Silo thinking, the, brother. The, the You're not da- thinking about their families. The or data communities I showed showed that they don't even wear the masks. The data I also showed also shows, well, the da- again, two percent. What percentage
1: of, ma- of kids do not wear the mask properly?
0: I don't have data on that, but if you've ever been around a six-year-old, they don't wear anything properly. Man, they I, eat I,
1: dirt. Let me tell you something, man. <laughs> let I, alone
0: wear a mask properly. Charlie, and
1: I mean this in all due respect. I've been inside of school systems recently that did the let's come back thing and let's wear a mask, and let's socially distance. Those kids were well-behaved, they did not take the mask off, they adhered to it. Even
0: if a 2% adjustment, doctor, 2%, Well,
1: it, it changes everything. Well, it changes it based on the research that I have from 90% effectiveness and it can lower down to 10%. All right, you got a lot of wiggle room in between so, that. So- no scientist says that wearing a cloth mask is ineffective they just argue on the effectiveness with the majority of the science and majority of the data saying it is well over 50% that, effective. That's
0: not true. There's a study out of Denmark that shows there's almost no increase. That's just no one increase. study, brother. So that's a good question. I'm gonna okay. get to that in a second. What happens when you have different studies? What happens when the body of evidence yeah. contradicts? Because that's an important question, I right? I think that's a great question. Because that, what, how do you govern oneself when you have, I have this study, I have that study, yeah. but I just want to make sure that the people watching can see where I'm coming from my perspective. Yep. So let me just say kind of one other point on this, where yep. you said that, am I willing to make adjustments for child safety? And you kind of asked, that was the open-ended question, where I say it's not about that at all. In fact, the downside, in my opinion, far, far outweighs any sort of benefit, especially when Dr. Macquarie, who said, I stu- he studied right here, he studied 43,000 children with COVID, and was not able to find a single death. Now you say it's also a transmission issue. Dr. Macri also said that children, quote, are not significant carriers or super spreaders to adults. (laughs) Okay, wow. So we're gonna have study collision, so go ahead. So
1: let's let's talk about study collision. Um, Once again, outlier data. What that doctor just quoted to say that children are not carriers of COVID-19, is outlier data because over 90% of the field agrees based on research and study that kids are carriers of not only COVID, but of any virus. And you literally just made that argument with me. You literally just said, Charlie, that kids do not properly wear their mask, and they're spreading things by not properly wearing their mask. You have made the that was not contrast my argument. argument. I said
0: if your argument was true and masks worked, mm-hmm. it would only be true if every child was a perfect automaton mask-wearing no, student. Which of course we know work? is not do true. Do
1: seatbelt mandates work? Of course they do. Does everyone wear but one? Do you know what's amazing about a
0: seatbelt? Charlie, does everyone wear a seatbelt? After belt. you're in a car accident, it doesn't give you natural immunity from getting in another car accident. That's what makes this totally different. Does
1: everyone wear a seatbelt, Charlie? Of course not. Do we then go back and unravel, because only 49 states have seatbelt laws, do we go back and unravel the 49 state uh, statutes because there are some people who will either A, not wear them, or B, actually die because of them? We don't do that, Charlie, because we see the benefit of wearing that safety belt, that protocol far outweighs anything else.
0: So we haven't. I've not been convinced by- And let's talk the, about the, the data. data. Let's because talk about I, the data. Because we're going we're to collide on data. Okay. But let me ask you a question. When it comes to driving and safetyism, do you think we should bring speed limits down to 20 miles an hour, which would definitely save lives? Is that a good handoff?
1: Yeah. So let me get back to that. It used to be 15 miles per hour, by the way. I,
0: is that okay uh, with you? Because that would prioritize safety over liberty.
1: Well, I think you always weigh it. But let me answer your first question. Okay. I'll get back to that one. You talked about conflict in data, right? Yeah. Like what happens and, and when and I have how? a study? I have
0: a study. What do That's we do? right.
1: So here's what happens science a lot of people misinterpret what science is they say science is a fact science is not a fact science is a field of study. Now there are some things that are scientific facts like gravity. Okay, But science is a field of study. And I do think sometimes scientists do themselves an injustice when they do not describe science as such it is a field of study. Now what does that field of study mean it means you study the field. So what's the field of science. All of these research surveys, these research, um, these laboratory experiments, these real world research experiments, that's the field of study. And so for you and I, who are reading the, the data from these experts, mm-hmm. what we typically depend on is what is the majority sentiment? What is the consensus among the scientists community? And that is how we start to derive our conclusions based on the research that we're able to analyze independently as independent thinking individuals now you can still believe an outlier study if you choose it is contrary to the majority of the science that's available for review but that is still within your uh right as an american right so that is how you do it you're going to always have clashing opinions uh and conclusions but literally in research there's no 50-50 here there's not 50% of the scientists are saying this and 50% of the scientists are saying that Literally, you're giving me uh, 8, 7% of what scientists are saying compared to 92, 93% of what other scientists are saying. That's the argument that you're making with me, Charlie. And
0: I'm always fascinated by the 7% because they're willing to buck the consensus and pursue things that they have found in the scientific method to be true. And so I guess this is an, an important question. Then we'll get into what do we do when we have these differences? Because that we're going to keep on going in circles of study versus study. And I'm going to say, well... According to this doctor, for example, as I'll say, Dr. Daron, Delta variant, not severe in children. And then I'll say, Dr. Debazi said the same thing, and Dr. Macquarie, and you'll say, well, the CDC said this. I guess I'll ask you a question. Which are a lot of doctors. Well, let me ask you a question. The CDC contradicted themselves on masks. They contradicted themselves on vaccines. They contradicted themselves on COVID being on surfaces. Remember, they said it could be there up to five days. We know that not to be true. They contradicted themselves on almost everything. If they've been wrong on the science of 90% of doctors, why should we trust them now?
1: You know, that's really interesting because uh, you trust them, don't you? It depends on what issue. Exactly. That's my point. Yeah. So You trust them depending on what issue. That is called confirmation bias. So, Charlie- Well, it depends you, on
0: the issue. If they're talking about, yeah, Newton's second law,
1: then yeah, I'll trust they, them but on that. They don't talk about that. The, the issue with the CDC is not about- uh, you discrediting all the scientists. Now, I, I take it back to one variable you just named, um, the COVID, the survival time of the virus, right?
0: Yeah. Like, if, is COVID able to be on this table for five Right.
1: Minutes? Initially, there were uh, uh, scientists that came out and said, hell, it can be up there for 18 days. Well, in certain environments, it can, because that was based on a ship crew, uh, a, a cruise ship, where the virus was still there after the princess cruise ship. that's yes. right brother it was there after 15 days everybody was evacuated they cleaned that ship top to bottom and they still found active virus on the ship so they came out and said hey listen we're still learning this thing we are connecting it to the field of study which is called science and we want you to be warned that we have active virus cultures still on this ship and no one infected has been here for over 15 days they reported that and then people ran with it and said, oh, my goodness, this thing survives for all of these days. But that was in a particular environment. And that environment was conducive to the growth and, and the uh, preservation of that virus. That, that's context. That's important. So you mentioned
0: outliers. You know, those of us that are trying to answer the question, what do we do about this? I'm fascinated by outliers. Mm-hmm. Outliers in science sometimes end up being true. In fact, we've seen this you know, we were told that it was a conspiracy theory, that it came from a lab. Well, that's kind of the prevailing wisdom. Now, it definitely didn't come from some bat in the Himalayas. It's looking more and more like it came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It also used to be an outlier to say that we revolve around the sun. The heliocentric theory of gravitational pull as you know authored by Galileo used to be an outlier in science. You know Newton's first, second and third law, the idea that an object at rest will stay at rest, the yeah. uh, the idea that there's force equals mass times acceleration, these things had to be eventually investigated and proven. I'll give you another example. Mm-hmm. It used to be scientific consensus that eugenics was good and the sterilization of women would improve humanity. Now those are some extreme examples. Very I, extreme. I understand, but the point is that sometimes these the, what if these studies are right? Do you ever wonder what if
1: there's some truth here? Do you ever wonder what if the majority of scientists are telling the truth? Well, of course.
0: I mean, I entertain it and I (laughs) I, I dismiss it on issue by issue. I'll give you an example. Like a majority of scientists right now are saying that we have to entertain another round of lockdowns in certain Mm -hmm. parts of the country or the world Mm -hmm. to try to stop the virus. I think that's a big mistake. I mean, I'll listen to anything that they say. Well, you may
1: think that's a big mistake, but you you're saying that based on a socioeconomic factor well i also could say it epidemi-
0: i could also say it epidemiologically right so i let's look at israel and sweden okay. right israel was held up as this like cr- beautiful country mass inoculation they've now gone through their fourth lockdown mm-hmm. they're on their fourth booster shot sweden that probably had the most mature and prudent response mm-hmm. to the virus is wide open and sweden has now banned israeli citizens from coming into sweden and so I don't need, you know, a PhD in epidemiology to say, hey, whatever decisions they were making in Sweden seemed far more prudent than what they were doing in Israel. And I suppose this is the question, which is you have this multitude of studies, many of many of these, the consensus that was put forward. So let's go back in time. Dr. Ronnie Jackson last Mm. year said, do not wear a mask. People stop wearing masks. And now we're mask crazy. That was a contradiction, right? (laughs) Remember, they said that at first that children might be at risk. That was a conjecture. That was not necessarily a policy. We now know it to be different. The point is that we should always be entertaining the minority opinion in science, right? All right, brother, so... And and honestly, that minority opinion has ended up being true almost every time.
1: No, sir. No, sir. Uh, The minority opinion uh, has said some pretty extreme things. Uh, You have a minority opinion of people who believe uh, that the earth is still flat. Well, I'm not Um, one of those people. I understand that. I I do believe
0: in a circular earth that (laughs) can be proven in a variety of different ways.
1: But remember... You have some people that are willing to die by that sentiment. They are so dogmatic about the earth, right? And that's a scientific factor. That's earth science. Just because the data or the proclamation is an outlier does not mean it's true. Well, but here, I, uh, Charlie, But, but, but let, calling let Dr. Darone
0: a flat earther is a little extreme. That's like, not. Come
1: on, brother. She's an that,
0: epidemiologist at Tufts Medical center. You,
1: you know good and damn well. But you're I kind of conflating
0: those two things is what I'm saying. I'm not brother, presenting From the extreme
1: evidence. examples you just gave. Very fair. Come that's on. fine. Okay. Let's go to some simple things we learned about infectious diseases. Like you, I've interviewed a lot of infectious disease doctors, right? Um, Some of them have been all across the United States, and now they're right here, all across the globe, and now they're right here in the United States trying to fight this thing. Do you and I agree that masks, decrease the spread of COVID. Do we agree on that fundamental basic premise? It's questionable. I would
0: only agree if it's a certain type of mask that is worn absolutely properly, that followed the exact laboratory guidelines, if and only then, I would say maybe, which almost no human being outside of a controlled, sterilized laboratory environment is wearing a mask that way.
1: How do you wear a mask properly?
0: By not touching it, not adjusting it, according to, again, Stephen Petty, one of the most ex- certified experts in industrial hygienicists, he says that even if 2% of the mask areas open, 80% of the particles under 2.5 microns will ex- escape. Thank you for saying that. Okay. Now,
1: what area is he talking about, Charlie?
0: It could be the top or the bottom of the mask. Right. I'm not exactly sure. The mouth or your nose. The
1: terminology. So yeah. if your mouth or your nose is exposed, then it decreases the impact no, no, of what it, the that's mask- That's not what he said. Okay, go ahead. But
0: again, I, I'm well, not- What did gonna, he say, I'm not going to- I'm not going to profess, you know, but to Charlie, be read it again, a lifelong, brother. you know, student of mask wearing. But brother, read yeah, it okay. again. okay. I'm going to finish it though, okay. right? 2% of the mask area open, 80% okay. of the particles under 2.5 microns will escape. Okay. And he says that masks will be 100% ineffective, he says. <laughs> he In blocking any particles that small when the area open area reaches 3.2%. Mm-hmm. And he also says that if it's even adjusted by 4%, a small adjustment it could end it all. And also, you know this, you could you could contaminate yourself. Not to mention Dr. Macarry says that if you wear the masks, you could actually be reinfecting yourself and it lowers oxygen levels. So there are some things to you say know, that You know, that's masks. really,
1: that's really interesting. Okay. And so, I'm citing so other me, people
0: again. You, right. I got you. That, and then, and, then and we'll that, go into what is, we do about it because right, I think that's interesting. That, that
1: is a minority report. So so let me take you back to what he's referencing. Okay. He's referencing having the mask not covering your pahoe. All right. That's what he's referencing. The way it spreads through droplets primarily is through your mouth. And through your nose once again I cite the study highlighted by the University of California that found in a high-speed camera 20 to 500 micrometers were generated from a simple phrase hello goodbye good to see you okay mm-hmm. that simple phrase had thousands inside of those droplets that's your viral load a cloth mask not one that is required for medical and personnel. or whatever right, right. Not that one. Just as a matter of fact, in the study, brother, they used a cloth towel, so a wash towel. So in order to show that any covering is, in fact, effective.
0: So now this is the most important question, right? Okay. So half the country's on your couch, half the countries on my couch. It might be less than that. According okay. to you, it's 60 percent. Right. So then the question is, how do we govern ourselves? Right. If we have differences of opinions on yep. things that are constantly changing and confusing, wouldn't the right Answer B allow a parent and the child to make that decision outside of what a school district might want to do against their will? Wouldn't shouldn't we always resort towards parental rights in situations hmm. like this? Let me
1: ask you this, Charlie. Um let's say we use the same standard for dress codes and school systems. That is not about what the policy is. It's about what the parent and the child wants to do. Would that be okay with you? Well, first of all,
0: I think that a man a a, a certain level of a dress code, I think is just actually really good for childhood development. I would argue, I mean, I'm actually very pro dress code. I would love to have kids wear shirts and ties. So I think there could be an objective argument made that they'll pay more attention. Okay. And, but you can't make that argument for masks. You Let even say there's why. a downside. I no. don't think that if you, all of a sudden you said, Hey, the nicer you dress, no, the worse man. There, the environment, there is a, it's the there, opposite. There actually.
1: is a psychological downside of various studies prove it. to dress like you. No, man. See, if I dress if if kids dress like (laughs) you you you, can't dress like me, brother. I know. But if kids dress like you, (laughs) everyone would be smarter. So let let me say this, Charlie. There are studies. uh, And and listen, man, I, I have a doctorate in education. There are studies that show education is not just for academic achievement. It's also for social development. And there comes a time, especially in a teenager's life, where they would like to express themselves socially through their attire. I'm actually more liberal as it relates to attire, right? I don't like dress codes as they are. See, but I'm, more, I I'm more conservative. I kind of, I, I, I kind of like it. I understand. I understand the decency as I structure, wear a t-shirt, right? You know, you but the but the issue is, we can't create a standard that says we're willing to put your life in danger or your child in danger by because you have a personal um, issue with the school policy. And remember, once again, the vast majority of Americans for the mask mandate policy.
0: So let's just go to this. First of all, I think it's somewhat of a red herring argument because some parents don't like to send their kids to private school because they have a dress code. So there's some choice there. I guess what I'm saying though, is that you support a school board coming into the school and saying every child must wear the mask. Why not make it optional? Because here's what happens, is that some parents are gonna yield to my opinion. Some parents will yield to your opinion. Isn't the right decision just to let parents choose?
1: I think the right decision is to allow the elected representatives who were elected by those parents to enact administrative law, to make common sense policies to protect the children and for them to listen to the science as it's collected uh, locally. I don't believe it's the right idea to do what DeSantis has did in Florida, which is to make a mask mandate ban, which by the way, 70% of Republicans disagree with his ban on mask mandates and defunding school systems who are in in opposition to his executive action. And a judge recently ruled that Governor DeSantis, that, that DeSantis in Florida was without legal authority when he used an executive order to limit a governmental entity that exists by statute if you want to start making executive orders to restrict other gov- governmental uh, agencies go through statutory processes so, through your legislature
0: so let me ask you a question first of all I love what DeSantis did and I love the idea but it's of it's illegal coming in Well, there was a judge that is rehearing. I think he actually just won on that. But I will yield to this, that there was an Iowa decision Mm -hmm. that just said where a judge said what happened in Iowa was unconstitutional. So there there are a lot of rulings there. I I, I will give you that, that it's an open-ended question. But what DeSantis is doing is actually the anti of mandates. He's telling every student in Florida, you have, as a taxpayer, a moral right to be able to choose. And you want to talk about local government. You're mm-hmm. talking about local government, right? Mm-hmm. You know what the ultimate local government
1: is? A parent and child. There's nothing more well, local than Well, thank you that. for saying that because, once again, the vast majority of them are for that, mask mandates. Th- then
0: let them mask their kid and let the other yeah, parents not see, mask their kids, what, right? Once
1: again, once again, just because their child has a mask, right, it doesn't mean the child next to them will have one. And what is COVID, what are the masks for? The mask is for... The decrease primarily for the decrease of COVID, I, I, the decrease of the spread. I want to read some stats, man, because we've been all over the place. Most Americans are for the, re, the uh, vaccine requirement. This is a Gallup poll that came out very recently. So you want to do vaccines. That's fine. Okay, Happy to go into that. All right. Let, let's go to vaccines quickly. 54% of Americans support vaccine requirements in workplace settings. 53% report uh, that they're for them, even if you're dining out. They want you to have a vaccine um, uh, passport. Six 61 one percent of Americans would like to have that for air travel. We don't have that yet. You can still travel without a, a some, vaccine Some card, restaurants are starting right? to do but it. But I'm talking but about yeah. travel. For sure. travel, we don't have that. Canada is implementing that in the fall. Yes. Other countries are going to do the same. If you're telling me that the school system, just think about this, and, and I'm going back to vaccines. If you're telling me that the school system has the legal authority to mandate various vaccinations, that's a needle going into the body of a child. They have the authority to mandate that, but they do not have the authority to mandate a mask. That is intellectually dishonest. Either the school board has the authority to mandate vaccines and mask, or it is all governmental so now, are, intrusion. Are you talking
0: about measles, mumps, and rubella? Are you talking right? About, and some
1: children have at first effects of those uh, yeah, vaccines. I would brother? actually
0: be more on parental rights to that, but I, I'm not going to. The courts have ruled differently. My personal right would be that children should be able to go to school without. The measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine. That's my own personal. Opinion. Are you
1: are you against vaccine mandates as a principle? I. I it depends on what you're talking about with that. Right? right are so, you
0: talking about the current one that's being called a vaccine with a changing definition of a vaccine? So right? you have
1: an issue with COVID. Well, the COVID do I have
0: a, do I have an issue with the one that was put on the marketplace without the usual ten to fifteen years of study and the peer reviewed studies and the explosion right, so of
1: various so Charlie, rec- responses? Ten to fifteen years later, you will agree with me. Well, we'll That's see. That's what you're
0: saying? I don't know. The, 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 the issue here is prudence, right? Okay. Is how are we going to use practical judgment to see what's in front of us and ask ourselves the question, should we use force to mm-hmm. all of a sudden say to a family, you know what, doesn't matter about all these studies. That may, very well might be a small percentage of doctors. But you know what's so great about science? Mm-hmm. It's not an up or down vote. We don't vote on Newton's third law. Okay. So if there's not 100% consensus, it is an open question. And you have to keep on going through it in a scientific follow, method.
1: Follow the data.
0: The data can send you in different directions, as we've shown, we're not going to, we're asking ourselves, what do we do? So my opinion is that when things are confusing, unclear, Mm -hmm. and you have contradiction, yield to rights. Let people choose. Don't use force.
1: (laughs) All right, man. That's a funny argument to me. Let me tell you why. Uh, There's a lot of disagreement about voting. Okay? You got state legislatures. They have passed laws saying you need to do A, B, and C in order to vote. You can't vote. By way of absentee, without having this prerequisite, is all over the place. There is no federal uniform to voting, right? There are. There is
0: some. There is the Civil Rights Act. That's not true. Yeah, but which is very specific.
1: The 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 Voting Rights Act, I think, is what you're referring to. The Voting Rights Act was gutted by the Supreme Court a few years ago, who set it aside and said the United States Congress needs to now handle this statutorily, which is the reason why Southern states like Georgia, Mississippi and others do not have to seek preclearance from the Department of Justice in order to change the electorate rules in their state before the Supreme Court set aside the Voting Rights Act, they would have to get pre-clearance from the DOJ in order to change voting rules right. in their so state. So before we
0: get to voting, can you complete the point, though, because you were trying to yep. connect voting with COVID. Texas, so.
1: they passed a uh, a law, they passed this legislative standard that said constitutional carry. You are familiar with that? Big, big fan of it. All right. I'm glad you're a big fan of constitutional carry, right? Because it says you do not need a prerequisite in order to yes. get a gun, no license, no government bureaucracy, no ID, no permit, no nothing. Constitutional carry, because bearing arms is what a constitutional right. Yes, correct. Boom, I'm good with that. Hundred percent. Is voting a right?
0: Depends on if you're a felon or not.
1: But it is a right because if you're a felon, you it, can't have a gun either.
0: Yeah, that's 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 the question, right? So, a, like an extreme libertarian. Would say that we shouldn't, we should allow felons to vote. We should allow people to vote. Voting is a right, absolutely, but it's also, it becomes not a right when it's not secure. You agree with that? You don't want to all of a sudden question
1: your elections. So let me now pose this to you constitutionally. You have the right to bear arms. Yes. That right can be limited. You have to age into that right based on the state law. Yes. Okay. You also can have that right taken away from you based on your criminal activity. Felon, as we agree okay, on. Right. Yep. But you do agree it's a right.
0: Yes, but all, I mean, like, look, rights are conditional under the current agreement we've made with our government, where the second amendment, the fourth amendment, there are exceptions. I think there's far too many exceptions. I yield to rights most of the time. Okay, let's
1: yield to rights on this. And this is the point I'm making to you. If you're a big fan of constitutional carry, meaning no ID, no permit, no bureaucracy. Well, I think that's
0: an oversimplification of the Texas law.
1: No, the Texas law says you don't need nothing. As a matter of fact. You just
0: said felons can't buy the guns then. How do they know if
1: they're a felon? Exactly, brother. No, no, but, no, but the, exactly. That's my point. Constitutional I, I, I carry. I think you're misunderstanding, Charlie. The, I've researched this up and down. The Texas law constitutional carry does not require a prerequisite. You can just get a gun, carry it, and no law enforcement agent agent can ask you for a permit. Nobody. You can walk around with your gap. I, 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 under, I understand the point you're it. making. You All say right.
0: if you want to have laissez faire policy on guns, then why don't you want to have laissez faire policy on voting? Is that the question you're he, making? Here's
1: the point I'm making. I
0: make. I know how that relates All to covid. Right. But I'm, I'm
1: about to help you, brother. If you believe in constitutional carry. Yes. Why don't you believe in constitutional voting?
0: Well, I do, that, which okay. means voter ID and security. people. But no people. ID for guns? No permit for guns? No ID with, for guns? The ID for voting? Let me tell you why. Voting is how we build mm. our government.
1: I thought the, guns don't, is, let, let is me how finish. you defend your government. It's
0: true. That's also true, which is why we should have widespread gun, on, gun ownership, and we should be able to protect ourselves mm. against a usurpatious government. Let me let me build okay. this out.
1: All right. And if, I finished my point. I'm, I'm going to make I, the connection. I, to I don't COVID. know how
0: it gets to COVID, but it's interesting. Okay. But voting is how we express our values and put people in positions of power. Mm-hmm. And if there's any question in the efficacy, the integrity, the transparency and how those elections are done, okay. the entire system falls apart, which is why I believe in transparent and fair elections. And this idea okay. that Georgia somehow has oppressive voter laws, they have 18 days of early voting, way more than Delaware has. They allow Sunday voting, which is sold to the polls which is, I'm sure something you're very well aware with. So that's a misinterpretation of that. So I do believe in constitutional voting, which is leave it to the states. Let the states do what they want to do with voting. And that goes with gun
1: laws as well as voter laws. All right, so let me make the connection, okay? Uh, Constitutional carry in Texas, no ID, no permit. Uh, Again,
0: I think you're oversimplifying that law. No, not, also, let, no. let me tell you why. There are federal laws like the Brady Bill in 1986 that says okay. that felons cannot buy weapons, that the, the federal agents are able to get subpoenas Sir, against weapons. You're oversimplifying no, it. No, I'm not, I'm not I,
1: oversimplifying the Texas law. The Texas law says we're not going to check a damn thing if you're walking around this state with a gun. Right, That's which, the Texas which I, law. Which I have no problem with. That's okay, a separate you thing have of acquiring no problem with the that. weapon. Now, right? you have but, no problem. Well, remember, uh, you can purchase a gun from a private dealer without showing an ID. They don't have to require that. So you that. call
0: that the gun show loophole. That's been largely misrepresented, but no, let's it's pretend not. you're right. No, no, finish no, no, the argument because we have, we have to take a 10-second break in just a second. But all just right, finish so, your so argument. let, let me yeah. make
1: this quick. Yeah. Constitutional carry, uh, all good. Voting is a right. Constitutional voting, ah, wait a minute. Y'all need no. IDs now. I, but, I, I'm big into constitutional voting. Okay, all right. Now, here's the final point. Everything we're talking about as far as regulatory agencies, Mandates for vaccines or masks or protocols for yes. COVID 19 is derived from the Constitution. There are two dynamics that the Constitution allows. No,
0: I never said it was unconstitutional. It well, might wait, be. I said it's wrong. Wait a minute,
1: but if That's you believe That's two different things. Listen, There's plenty come, of things
0: that are constitutional listen, that are wrong. Charlie. Not everything that is Charlie, constitutional. Listen to is my right. point,
1: brother. If you believe in the Constitution, why do you dismiss Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3? or the 10th Amendment of the Constitution, which gives states and gives regulatory agencies and gives school boards these particular powers. These powers are expressions. I, I, I don't. I but ju- they're expressions of the Constitution. No, 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 but I say they're wrong to
0: do it, not that they don't have a right to do it. Okay. That's two totally different so, things. So
1: you're making a moral argument against kids wearing
0: a mask to school. Yes, not only that, I'm making a moral argument of imposing oneself into a parent's decision to either have their child wear a mask or not. That's been my argument the whole but, time. But I have not decision. made a constitutional <laughs> argument. You know why I haven't okay. made a constitutional argument? Because the courts are open on this discussion. I would. But pro- the Constitution is not. Well, well, the con- again it depends on states' constitution, it depends on precedents, courts' decisions. You know the law of and, reciprocation. But hold on brother. a second. State
1: cannot override. The courts can change the US their minds all the
0: time. We had Dred Scott. Praise God, we reversed that. We had the forced sterilization of women in the 1920s. Praise God, we reversed that. We had Jim Crow. Praise God, we reversed that. Right, but I that wasn't in the constitution. I'm intentional. Well, the const—some people said Jim, oh, Jim judge-
1: Crow. Jim Crow was not in the constitution, well, well, now, but now they, they use the Tenth Amendment to justify. Is, well, they use the states' rights. Cause. Right, which is your argument right, right now, which. You know? Bizarre way. No, no, no. Yeah. They use a state's rights clause and perverted the statute. So we've always had those who mishandled statutory legislation. That's something commonplace. No, I'm
0: making a moral argument I I, had the time. I whole get it. And, and an argument about childhood development. I
1: get it. But Charlie, you're literally disagreeing with the damn parents. The data shows no, that not. over 60% of the well, parents. what about the 40%?
0: So you're, you are, let me just make sure I'm clear. We have to take a 10 second break. Okay. You are okay with saying the 60% of parents can use force against 40% of they can, parents. They can
1: use a mandate, yes. They can use a okay. mandate for vaccines. So, so they can is, use a mandate for dress codes. Th- they is, can use a mandate for that.
0: So let me ask you this question. Okay. If 60% of Americans wanted to take rights away from black Americans,
1: is that okay? That's a dumbass argument. Why? And let me tell you why. Because that's because the argument that,
0: they used to make for Jim Crow, sir, is a that, democratic that, and argument. And it was an
1: evil argument back then. I agree. And, and let me be clear. We're talking about the safety of children and mask mandates inside of a local school system that the majority of taxpaying Americans actually agree with. So in the minority here. We
0: have clarity. I don't believe just because a majority of people believe something they should Neither be able do to punish I, the other on side. But this, on this case, I'm with them. So we're gonna take it. If you guys wanna w- watch the rest of this Charlie Kirk Show podcast, hit subscribe on the Turning Point USA feed. That's it for today. Go to the Charlie Kirk Show and we're gonna be back with more. So welcome back, Charlie Kirk Show podcast. Dr. Ritchie, you said I made a what kind of argument? Because I compared I think I said it
1: was a dumbass or silly. Elaborate, because I kind of almost cut you off. I felt bad about that. <laughs> um, all right. So I don't remember because you've made so many great points today. Thank you. Well, I know. <laughs> w- w- yeah.
0: what, what I said was this, and it was provocative intentionally, but it okay. got your attention. But it's true, right. which is that this idea that just because 60 percent of Americans want something, make it right. Yeah. And I said they used to use that to justify segregation.
1: Yeah. Uh, so my argument is not simply a majority argument. My argument is an argument based on data, safety, my common sense, uh, and also a majority argument. Uh, So no way should we compare uh, good faith parents who are trying to genuinely protect their children uh, to some type of misguided, evil and perverted sentiment of white individuals in the 60s. And I think I think I think there
0: is obviously a difference between the two. The point is, though, is that majorities can be wrong and they can be dreadfully wrong. That's Mm -hmm. the point I was trying to make. Um, So let's talk about the Biden mandate. You and I were joking. You said, I want to talk about the Biden mandate. I said, which one? So (laughs) go ahead.
1: (laughs) You know, it's interesting. So it's not a mandate. Um, Let's talk about private sector because that what that's what's in the headlines, right? Um, The Joe Biden mandate, and I'm using air quotes intentionally, is not a mandate at all. And shame on Democrats, damn it, for not knowing how to tell people what this was. Mm -hmm. This is a COVID-19 vaccine protocol, but not a mandate. So literally in the executive action, it says that if you have a private company which has 100 employees or more, then there's a certain protocol this company must adhere to. And that protocol says either you have the vaccine or... You take a test once a week and that's it. That's not a mandate for a vaccine. That's quite the opposite. That's literally telling you there is absolutely no mandate for you to get the vaccine. But there is a protocol to make sure others are safe. Now, a lot of people are, you know, they're 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 raging about this. That would be me. Okay, you're you're once again, you are in the minority for that, by the way. (laughs) Uh, But but you you're a loud minority. Thank you. And let's talk about where this comes from. OSHA is the regulatory agency that President Biden says will enforce this executive action. Now, first of all, man, OSHA is still trying to figure out how to get tires from the back of certain industries. Okay, All right. OSHA does not have the manpower to implement and enforce these COVID protocols throughout the entire country. They're going to write it. And they're probably going to spot check if there's a surge in COVID outbreaks in a particular company, but they are not able to actually implement the law all over the United States. But let's be very clear about OSHA. Once again, I'm back to the Constitution. OSHA was created statutorily in 1970 because of the Commerce Clause of the U.S. Constitution, where Congress has the ability to create regulatory agencies and the Commerce Clause says that the federal government can regulate through administrative rule, policy and law, anything that impacts interstate commerce. That is your law derived from the Constitution. The framers of the Constitution were smart enough to realize you do need a federal government with the authority to do this. And listen, this is not an ongoing mandate from OSHA. This is not an ongoing protocol. This is simply a 100 day ETS. That's an emergency temporary standard that ETS expires after 100 days. And after that 100 days, the agency will have to go through all of the bureaucratic process, including public opinion, which is required by federal law, in order to make it a permanent rule. All of this that's happening is within the context and confines of not only the US Constitution, statutory law, and also settled case law that has been well established 1990, Dole versus Steelworkers. Uh, and, and before I forget this part, I want to make it very clear OSHA by statute can do two things in an ETS. One, when employees may be exposed to substances or agents that may be harmful, and two, such a standard is necessary to protect employees. You all had no issue with OSHA. You all had no issue with the regulatory powers of the US Congress. You all had no issue with uh, the Commerce Clause of the Constitution until it came to COVID.
0: Well, I would say I would probably, I had a lot of issues with the fourth branch of government for quite some time. <laughs> what I will agree with you, though, okay. Doctor, is that, yes, OSHA is so inefe- inefficient, so bureaucratic, <laughs> so slow, and not exactly the most agile government agency, that you're probably right. It's going to take them so long. Yeah. They're not going to come marching into places. But the reason there's the outrage from people like me and you know employers, because we have hundred plus employees here at mm. Turning Point USA, and we vowed to fight this in federal court.
1: All right. Is, Are you going to comply first though? Oh, we're not going to comply. No way. Oh, hell.
0: No way. And let me tell you why. Now, first of all, Joe Biden has no business telling us how to run our business here. Now, that's a moral argument. Legally, okay. You know what? The courts might side with that. And that's that's going to be a common refrain here, because I think the courts can be wrong a lot. Right. The courts were wrong with separate but equal. They were wrong about many other things. Right. They were wrong about forced sterilization of women in the 1920s with the same sort of 1905 decision, uh, the Jackson decision that set the precedent for that. In, in essence, here's the big issue okay. is that we, I'm, I've made the choice not to get vaccinated. Many okay. of our employees have made the same decision. Some of our employees have made the chance, choice to get vaccinated. Okay. All of a sudden, we have now a company where employees are enjoying the added benefit of having medical freedom. Now, you might say, just get a test, go do that. I find that to be a grotesque invasion of how we do our own protocols here right. in our office. Who are you to say I should have a test or that? What about people that have already had the virus? And basically the argument, the outrage, mm-hmm. if you will, is less about the technicalities, OSHA or mm-hmm. the IRS, or whatever. It's no, 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 This sets the precedent for massive government intervention. Yeah. For all of a sudden, the
1: federal government
0: usurping employer and employees' rights. That's really where the backlash is rooted.
1: And I definitely understand it. And, and let me be clear about uh, my point of view. Uh, the Biden administration would need to find a way to make sure people that have already contracted COVID and have the antibodies can benefit um, from some of the same policies he's, he's That's a reasonable laid out. Okay. middle ground. Um, they haven't done that yet. natural I, I, immunity hasn't been talked about at all recently. Right. And so I think they need to make exceptions and caveats for that. Now, let's go to your proclamation about the workplace. Yes. Uh, we're at a workplace right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, this workplace is already regulated by the federal government and by your local government. There are various protocols, mandates, uh, there are compliances that you must adhere to in order to continue to operate legally.
0: Yeah, and, and OSHA was mostly for construction sites. Let's just be clear. <laughs> well, initially, right. right. Yeah, yeah, And, I
1: mean, and, and biohazard, and Yeah, cetera, I mean, come right?
0: on. This is not exactly OSHA's sweet spot. Here, well, right? and,
1: and that may help you out, okay? Yeah. If you're not going to be compliant, it, I OSHA wa- will be the agency. I just want to make
0: everyone clear that this okay. is a little bit of a mission creep for OSHA. This well, was it, for people that are all of a sudden working in steel workers. Like, mm-hmm. that, that's that's a legitimate place where you could... It's occupational safety hazard, hazard, I think, Administration, And and I
1: get your argument, uh, and you're a brilliant person, so I know the argument that you're making. Your argument is, this is another expansion of government, this is an intrusion of workplace independence, and I get the argument, right? But I I get the other argument better. And the other argument is, everybody who works with you, everybody who works in an office, especially if we're talking about 100 people or more, once again, they're not in a silo, brother. They're not in a silo, Charlie. They go back to a family. They have children. They have parents. They have grandparents. They have a peer group. And if the place where they will spend roughly eight, maybe up to 12 hours of their day, right, the the place where you may get the most exposed to somebody who has COVID-19, if that place is unwilling to just go through a temporary standard, because by nature of the statute, they can't do it forever. Okay. It's, It's against the law for them to do it beyond 100 days. I think it's a good sacrifice. Listen, I'm a business owner too. I don't wanna do it, right? Uh, I'm president of Rolling Out Magazine. We have way more than 100 employees. I don't want to, it's not something I'm jumping up and down to do, but I get why it needs to be done. So so I understand it from both sides of the argument.
0: Yeah, so let me, I wanna ask you uh, about a couple things that okay. I'm interested in. I think it will lead us in a good direction. Um, and we can get into vaccine efficacy, but we're gonna just kind of go back to colliding studies. I'm curious though, because I saw a tweet that you sent that, I, that really fascinated me about how you said you understand black people's skepticism towards getting the vaccine, because of course the Tuskegee mm-hmm. yep. you know, idea of medical experiments and kind of how federal health agencies have been abusive before, mm-hmm. especially towards black people and people of color, something I will fully admit. And so I, I, can you help me unpack like why you trust the health officials now and why you trust this vaccine? Because some people like Nicki Minaj and others <laughs> are kind of playing into this kind of medical freedom argument. I'm just, I'm just curious as someone who, who obviously speaks on behalf of the black community.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and I stand by that statement. So anyone who tries to shame black folk, you don't understand the history of black people. If you try to shame black folks who are vaccine hesitant, You don't understand the reason of their distrust with governmental agencies, period, especially as it relates to healthcare. Um, So I stand by that and I defend opportunities like this because I think it's very important to understand the why. Right. You talked about Tuskegee, but it goes deeper than that. Uh, We've had localized studies all throughout the United States. Hell, there was one two weeks ago of an actual medical director of a county jail who decided to secretly treat inmates with ivermectin. I reported on that on my show. Well,
0: I don't mind that. But I do, yeah, I mean, but
1: come on, man. The secret is th- 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 of-
0: That wasn't done, I don't think, to hurt people. Do you? But,
1: but come on, man. But, but I, I'm actually leveling. The, I, I right. agree
0: with you that let's pretend it, it he was, was a racist, which I don't know w- if he was. I don't know right, story, and, and
1: I really don't give a damn if he was racist or not. He was wrong. He's now under investigation by the medical board because these inmates... They learned that they were being treated with Ivermectin, brother, on the news. They were literally inside of their pod. Oh, did it work? Watching news. Well, not according to them, because the person that was the whistleblower said, not only did did it get worse, I had um, stomach issues, I had diarrhea, vomiting, sweating, and they lied, man. They lied to these black folks incarcerated. So that only, I don't care if he was being treated with uh, one of the approved FDA medications for COVID. If he was being lied to, it is wrong. So, so but it, what makes you trustworthy of this? Well, let me tell you, this regime. I trust Dr. Howard. I trust Dr. Chica Kua. I trust individuals in research science. I trust people at Morehouse School of Medicine where I lecture. I trust these black scientists and black doctors and infectious disease specialists that look like me, who have said they were hesitant at first too, but they got involved in the data. They're inside of the science. They're in the research. They're reading the studies. They're conducting some of them and part of some of the clinical trials. And they come on my show. They talk to me personally. I have a communion with these brothers and sisters and I trust them because their process was like mine. It matured to this place because they, even though they're in the medical field, they were hesitant too, brother. But once again, COVID impacts what community more than any other community who's more likely to die from a covid um virus than any other group? So this is a perfect segue into okay. race in
0: america all right so you know I, the answer I, to that black well, folks it's lower, black folks are more well, likely to it's, die it's, it's, from cold let's, than put, let, any other let's group. put race aside which i nah, don't I, I
1: can't put race aside it's but I'm by a black class man, okay so black poor man.
0: white people are just as likely to be as this as a poor black person you got to look at this in class not based on race okay and at charlie, least you could agree with
1: that right charlie i think access to healthcare has something to do with it. That goes back to your economic or financial strength and ability and platform. But when you look at the communities that are dying more so from a COVID infection, you're talking about black communities. Why do you think that is? I think it's a plethora of reasons. I think it's because of the disparity in healthcare uh, relationships. I think it's uh, partly due also to issues related to our medical uh, background and sometimes even genetics. And diet. All of this contributes to COVID-19 variables hurting certain communities worse. But when you look at our disconnect from being able just to call a doctor, right? I talk to these folks every day, man. There are some black folks don't even have a physician, brother. All right. You think they're going to trust uh, a vaccine? They don't have anybody that's really common to them that they can talk to about it. And there's so much misinformation from these outlier studies and from Donald Trump politicizing the whole damn thing, even though he got the vaccination himself and also wore a mask himself. This misinformation has harmed communities that are not in the flux of information uh, or connected to medical health So,
0: So let, let's talk just kind of generally okay. in about race. This is kind of segue the whole conversation, okay. if that's OK with you. Sure. Um, do you think America is a systemically racist country? Hell
1: yeah. Tell me why. Systemic racism. Let's first define the. That variable. would that would be helpful. Systemic racism is different than racism. Uh, I think we can all agree that racism exists in America. Right. You agree with me on that. that oh, totally. Right. Racism exists. We have one as president. Damn. Biden. Was Trump won, too? Absolutely not. That's so, I don't know if we have time for that debate. All right. So, Charlie, think about systemic racism this way. Systemic racism is typically what we call implicit bias. It's unconscious. It's not really known to the individual distributor of the racism. It's also codified in statutes, institutions, laws, etc. I will give you an example of an early form of systemic racism. The Declaration of Independence refers to Native Americans as savages. That was acceptable language at that time, to refer to Native Americans.
0: Why did they use that
1: language? J- just, you, you ask them. I mean, that's derogatory. Because well, they wrote about it, because okay. they were
0: killing their women and children. It okay. wasn't because they hated them because Tra- they looked the, different.
1: The, the, think about it, brother. Trail of Tears.
0: Well, that's Andrew Jackson. That's that's a different I understand generation that. of leaders. No, no I man, we're going to talk about that. 1830s. That was a
1: bunch of white folks slaughtering natives on this land against the federal court order.
0: So, happy to talk about indigenous and right. kind of you know, Euro-American relations, but finish the point of right. systemic racism. So systemic, I, I don't want to get away from what we're...
1: Systemic racism, that's an, that's an ancient formation of it. Let me go to a modern one, right? Systemic racism and marijuana. You have individuals.
0: So sentencing reform is what... Sentencing issues, right?
1: Part of it. Okay. So, so I give you a personal story. What, five years ago, when I first became a professor, right? I'm in class, man. There's this guy. He, he's from the same hood... I was from so I connected to this guy like that because for you to come be in my class from that neighborhood you have done something miraculous right four weeks into the semester semesters are 15 16 Mm -hmm. weeks four weeks into the semester he gets this letter from financial aid saying that he did not get approved for financial aid guy had no issues with his credit it's not even based on credit he didn't know what this was coming from so I said listen send me the email I will investigate right I go to the financial aid director on behalf of this kid. He had a minor marijuana possession conviction at 17 years of age, less than an ounce. Four guys riding in the car, one bag of marijuana. Nobody took the blame; they charged all of them. Right? He can never have financial aid in his life. Now, so okay, go. Ahead. Sorry. All right. Here's the systemic issue. According to all of the research science, white people use marijuana at the same rate as black folks but are five times more likely to be arrested for it and actually charged. Blacks are. Blacks are, yeah, excuse me, Blacks are. And and charged with the use or the possession without giving remedy for pretrial diversion and other programs. That's systemic because a lot of these prosecutors who gave these prosecutorial discretions to white communities, Mm -hmm. right? They didn't give them to the black communities they served in as well.
0: So let me ask you a question. Yes, is that a race issue or a class issue?
1: Once again, it's a—it's you cannot—you cannot disconnect. Let, let me race ask you. So, for example, okay.
0: for for the poor family in Southeast Ohio that is mostly white, okay. and they get arrested with an opioid charge, trafficking opioids. Mm-hmm. They have, let's say, they earn thirty-two thousand dollars a year. Okay, let's okay. just do a hypothetical. Okay. near Athens, Ohio. Okay. they're, <laughs> they're going to have a tough time navigating. The court system, just like that young man you just mentioned. Yeah. The point is, why racialize it when class, which is a much more fair and independent marker, would do? The point is, what I think. Why try to
1: disconnect? Well, because class is a. You're going to have to. So go ahead. I I mean. I don't mean interrupt, but I, I want you to understand the way the variables work. Class is a social perspective right? Class is well, a social perspective. I mean, if you're earning
0: $40,000 a year, you're into, You're objectively at the okay. lower but, level but of the income still, ladder. But right? still,
1: there are some people that don't give a damn what you make. I'm one of them. So if we're talking about classism, we're talking about a social perspective, meaning I interpret you a certain way. No, no,
0: no. But hiring an attorney is not an interpretation, right? So let's give an example. Denzel Washington's kid, okay. if he's pulled over with marijuana, he's getting off, right? right. It, he's a black guy. LeBron James, I could go through the list. Right. Right? Now, those are outliers to go kind of to a theme you've been saying, but it means nothing if they're black. In fact, it means can you hire the best attorney to get them off the track? So
1: let me give you another data set that's actually um, available for your review. Uh, Job applications, another systemic uh, issue of racism. Okay. Uh, multiple universities have done this uh, study over and over again. Some of these universities have tried to disprove the previous studies that were done.
0: I was going to cite the ones that disprove it, <laughs> All right. so we'll so, just so have study collision. That's again. right. But the majority of the studies... I'm familiar with what you're about to say. All right. But you
1: know the majority but of the you studies you know who show, debunked
0: it was Thomas Sowell. He,
1: okay. Sowell has a bias ingrained in his economic policies already. He's a black American. Th- I, uh, so He grew that, up that in Harlem. Does a, that doesn't... I don't give a damn. See, that's the part. Proximity See, when you say something like that, Charlie, you know why that's offensive to me? Because I, I didn't think, mean
0: it as offensive, but But sure, but,
1: but I want you to understand what that means. Because he's from the hood. I'm supposed to agree with him. We're not monolithic. No, I know, but you were just, I, you I were do just not...
0: making arguments from authority, saying that you are from the hood. But but I am.
1: See, this is just it's, a fact. But so, but is just soul. because just because he is, it doesn't but, mean that uh, I agree with his so, ideology. And just because he's an American black person, doesn't mean I agree with his political but ph- like, philosophy or so, economic philosophy. Here's the here's the point. I'm. But not, I still want to make. I still want to yeah, make so the point. Finish the point, and then I'll. Yeah. I don't forgot the damn point. All
0: right. It was something about uh job workforce okay, applications. Okay. Yeah, the applications.
1: Yeah. All right. So the majority of the studies show that if you put in an application, you list your education experience, you put in an ethnic sounding name, you don't get called back. At least 20% or more drop off rate for those who have an ethnic sounding name. Same application submitted, same company, boom, put a white sounding name on that application. Study after study showed that with the same background, same educational uh, information, they got a call back 20% higher or more than the application that was the exact same with the ethnic sounding name. Now, I mean, there are studies
0: that debunk that. A so, minority of studies have. Sol, Sol wrote a whole book on that, right? With discrimination and disparities. I'm, I'm not going to be here to, to get into the details of that. You know them better than I do. But I want to broaden it where it actually could be helpful okay. for our viewers to kind of see where they might fall on this. Okay. Which I guess the question is, you say, yes, America is systemically racist, right? Yes. So that means the systems and the laws reflect a desire to get outcomes different for what Well, white they
1: were people. written by people that were racist like like who who wrote the constitution were they racist James Madison was not a racist well, come on man Alexander th- Hamilton th- was not a racist if you can own black people and well, then write, come l- on l- man. Let's,
0: let's ask the question though. yeah so if, if so, you own black people no, you don't think you're racist point. if you own how, black people so how many states had already abolished slavery th- by that, the constitutional
1: that, convention that that's fine brother you can make that argument Nine all day out of 13 you can make that argument all day they were ending slavery doctor the people they were who it? framed the constitution thought black folks well, property. Okay. Let's, Come on, man. Let's go you can get no, no, no. away from that. No, this
0: is super important. I'm glad okay. you brought it up. All okay. Right. Show me one time James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, John Jay <laughs> said that.
1: In order to be a racist, in your opinion, or in order to be discriminatory against a group, you must say it out loud.
0: Okay. so that, that's, that's your premise? No, no, no. No, it's not. So let me, let me okay. say this. What the, about
1: the behavior the and founders, the founders
0: Let's talk about it. The founders okay. were anti-racist, to use an Ibram X. Kendi term. <laughs> We are all born into a world we did not create. You agree, right? That's right, brother. So thousands of years before Thomas Jefferson walked the earth, George Washington, Whitfield, Adams, all these guys, slavery existed. The Mm -hmm. question should be, who started the movement to stop it? The first ever anti-slavery convention was hosted in Philadelphia in 1775, chaired by Benjamin Franklin. 1776, the Virginia Declaration of Rights was written Mm -hmm. by George Mason, which proclaimed that all men are created equal, which heavily inspired (laughs) the Declaration of Independence. Let me finish. Okay. Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence, and Vermont was so inspired by that, they were the first sovereign community of people to abolish slavery. Okay. I'll keep on going. All right. In the Constitution— Why did they own black people? They weren't allowed to in Vermont. Why
1: Why did framers of the Constitution own black people? Some did, some didn't. Why? But why did some of them well, all the black people? Because the tradition predated them. Tradition? And they were in,
0: yeah, the tradition before that. To own a human which being? Which was disgusting You get and to awful. hide behind Hold tradition? Second. Hold on a second. Let, let's, first of all, there's more slaves in the world than there ever have been before. And there's still slavery happening mm. on this and continent. It's evil, and it's still legal, it? And it's inexcusable. Right. And it's illegal. And it doesn't matter let if it's tradition. Let me finish You should be thanking Thomas Jefferson for saying in the Constitution. I thank Harriet le- Tubman. Le- me. Let, me, let me finish, please. Let me finish. Thomas Jefferson signed the moratorium saying no new slaves are allowed to come into the United States as one of his first acts as president in 1807. The question should not be whether or not slavery existed. (laughs) The question should be why was it starting to end? That's the most important
1: question, isn't it? Well, probably for for you from your perspective, but for me, all of it is very important. So let's talk about not only the racism of those who wrote the Constitution, but the sexism as well. Sexism. Oh, absolutely, brother. Um, no, let, let's talk about names. Tell okay. me why James well, Madison. Well, 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 I'm gonna like, get to that. You're let, too let me, general. Like, right, let's well, get specific, let, me, right? Let, let me, let me, let me give some background to my proclamation because it may be provocative for some. Okay, and intentionally so. We call this place a democracy. You believe that? No, it's a republic. The so, framers we, of the we, Constitution we, we wanted a representative. Government, right?
0: But they wanted a republic, not okay. a democracy. So we're right. we're not
1: agreeing, and, and there's a and, huge difference. And listen, we're splitting hairs on that. Well, it's because, important because a republic is a representative form of government. That that's the definition. Of it. I, I agree. I'll okay. give you representative form of government, but that's I right. will
0: not use the word democracy. Okay, and that's okay. fine.
1: That that's that's a distinction without a difference, by the way. No, okay. it's not.
0: The, one one has naturally government. enshrined rights. One has the will of the majority.
1: All that's right. So 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 let's go to who could vote in that republic based on their writing of the Constitution. At, at, at the gratification
0: of 1787, wh- whatever, whoever the states deemed okay, yep. now the question you might bring up is the three-fifths clause, right? But well, not only that. No, 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 but the, why, why did they- put, That's not. That's actually not what I'm bringing but up. why did they put that in? To that, help actually limit the power of the slave-owning
1: state. I, I, I get it, that's another argument, we'll be here all day for that. Because now, they now, wanted to limit slavery, And doctor. let me tell you something, brother, I, do not give a damn about what you think their intention was, no, but they wrote any about document it. that says that me or my people are three fifths of an actual person is a flawed document.
0: So let me ask you a period. question. But let me
1: let me make sure I if make they my would point have about given sexism, full
0: representation. L- slavery give... would have existed well past the Civil War. You, Just to so work you,
1: you are here's what they should have done, and I still need to make my point about sexism. Don't let okay. me forget. No, that. I'll
0: I'll okay? write it down.
1: All right. Here's the the bigger point. You're splitting hairs on the three-fifth compromise, okay? That's what you're splitting hairs about. Because uh, this was a population configuration in order to determine the electoral college matrix of that particular state so that they could have a Which national. South presence. Carolina and right. Georgia
0: wanted it not to give blacks I, I, a voice,
1: they wanted them to be to counted to manipulate as the system. Right. They wanted so we, them to be counted we as full population. On that. Now, Here's what the good hearted people should have done if they were actually good hearted. You create a process and you make them citizens, damn it, or you tell the southerners that they have to stop the mandate. So of l- this l- state l- life. let me just be clear. Okay. You are
0: now moralizing people in 1787. You're damn right I am.
1: Really? A- absolutely, 100%. Okay, moralizing so, the hell out
0: of them. So, so you, you moralize Noah, David. I mean, you're a Christian. Yeah. How about Solomon? Too many wives. We shouldn't listen to him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He found that he, he out. He was an adulterer. <laughs> he found out he had too many the damn wives. Is, he almost lost his entire, his entire you, life. The shouldn't you look of what at you history and
0: bear them by the fruit and say, wow. No, so let me go back to the sexism. Because th- that's such a, and my, just respectfully, no, that, that's fine. That's yeah. such a yeah, prideful that, way to view history, isn't it? Amen. Like, call how it. dare you be like, yeah, not as smart as
1: call I am. How dare you own my ancestors? Well, they didn't. They actually tried to eliminate it. But they owned them. Well, no, they didn't. They did own not, slaves, not rather.
0: Not every single Come founder on, did. Not every founder did. <laughs> there, there was a so minority of let, some that did not. Let's talk and, about. And th-
1: those, are, those are some of the decent guys so because they, great, they took a stand. But, man, women couldn't moment. even participate in the republic. So, let's talk it about the, written, no, the Northwest Ordinance. It was ordinance. written to make sure that women couldn't even participate. Let's talk about. You stand by that? Of course not. But okay. let me talk about the
0: Northwest Ordinance. All right. Northwest Ordinance was the new territories. Ohio, Michigan, yep. Illinois, Indiana, Iowa. Which they were asking ourselves, what do we believe? This new territory. Okay. Article 6 of the Northwest Ordinance, ratified by every single state, Mm -hmm. said slavery is illegal in the New Territories. Mm -hmm. So, if they were getting rid of slavery, why shouldn't we praise them?
1: Yeah. So, uh, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, And as long as they owned slavery, or owned slaves, and engaged in the enterprise of slavery. They didn't. They were trying to end it. But they owned them. But listen, Charlie, I want you to hear me. You blame me for moralizing them while you're praising them. Oh, I'm totally praising them. Okay? Okay. And you're going back. Because all because, human beings
0: have to struggle with when they're born and what's around okay, them and right.
1: things they can't control. So why, why is it that all of the framers of the Constitution didn't own slaves? They didn't. I know. That's the point. Because The point is, yeah, the, the point in is a pluralistic some of them society were moral enough to say, hell no, we will oh, not own a human being. I, and I agree. And others were immoral enough to say hell yeah, well, we will. So they're own complicated
0: human so beings. How do you interpret oh, someone like come Thomas on. Jefferson, come right? On, man. Someone who said Thomas Jefferson, me. who advocated for the elimination of slavery in Virginia, you... signed the moratorium of new slaves, but owned slaves himself and released them, had a <laughs> right. child with a slave. That's a complicated person, aren't we all?
1: So, so let let's go back to something that I want you to understand from my point of view. Slavery wasn't just about being enslaved. Okay, slavery was also. Uh, and I've done a trace of my lineage, right? Um, Slavery was also about the slave owners who could legally rape black women, who could molest black children, who could kill without any penalty or repercussion from the government. It was more than just the labor, brother. That's my point to you. It was more than just the blood, sweat and tears equity to build a nation. It was also the evil atrocities within the construct of a limitless environment to do what you wanted to do to another human being without penalty. So
0: you, just a couple things, yeah. and then I'd like to get your opinion on another okay. uh, person in history, which okay. is the founders at nine out of 13 estates had already abolished slavery. It was on the way out, doctor. It was It was being killed until the cotton gin, Eli Whitney, and John <laughs> C. Calhoun, who okay. I believe is one of the villains of American history. But how should we view a man like Abraham Lincoln? I'm, I'm
1: curious, you know, Abraham Lincoln did what he did out of political necessity. Uh, and we talk about we we uplift these individuals and you're right. They are. They are complex characters. Um, and we but all they, are. we all are. Right. But when we talk about somebody needs to be praiseworthy, Charlie, I, I would rather you just be neutral. Damn it. I would rather you just say, you know what? This guy's a mixed bag. I can't praise him, but I can't vilify him because he did this other thing. So I, I would just call him a mixed bag. He did some good. He did some bad. Hell, a broken clock is right two times a day. So so I would rather you have that opinion of some of these people that did extreme evil and committed massive atrocities against other but, human beings. But, but
0: the reason why, and I'll get to Abraham Lincoln in a second, okay. why I think that Jefferson and, Tom, and, and, and Madison and Jay and Hamilton were so amazing is okay. they didn't invent slavery and they never wrote extensively defending it, ever. Instead, okay. they made real structural changes to eliminate it. But Abraham Lincoln, isn't that evidence that... America made movements towards all of a sudden saying, sure. hey, here's a president who called, if nothing is wrong, then slavery is not wrong, who gave mm-hmm. the Cooper Union address, who talked about a moral right that all men are created equal, who made the divine connection between the principles, of the declaration. And he
1: matured to that. No, I,
0: totally. Yeah, and, he matured to that. And, and isn't that us all, right? That we mm-hmm. tried to grow in that. Right. I'm just curious what your opinion is yeah, but I, of no, Abraham Lincoln.
1: No more than I can holistically praise Abraham Lincoln because of some of the atrocities. Um I also cannot discount some of the progress. Um I think that's a fair that 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 is a fair because
0: there's too much Lincoln bashing going on <laughs> and but Well
1: that I, that's me on the record about Lincoln. That's what I have to say okay. about Lincoln.
0: Yeah. So let's go back to systemic racism. Okay. And so we kind of define that. So what can I as a white person in America do that you can't do? Are we at a place where now at least we're able to make the same choices? If so, then how is America systemically racist?
1: Well it's not about your perspective. Of discrimination that happens to me, okay, it's one about believing the stories of black folks when they tell you you know over ninety percent of black people say they've experienced some level of uh workplace discrimination or discriminator discriminatory discriminatory activity uh inside of their um social circle that's that's a massive number uh to be discriminated against uh in that matter and I think when it comes to, we can look at all the studies. The studies are very clear um, as far as uh, biases that exist against uh, people of color, et cetera.
0: Like biases, where?
1: Well, biases in the workplace. Well, so Bi- biases so when you get comp- pulled over by a cop. Competing biases studies, well, and sentencing uh, the,
0: structures. The, the, the cop thing, I'm happy to go into, which okay. is totally misleading, right? Okay. Which is, you know, a black person is much more likely to shoot and kill a police officer than a police officer is to kill a black person. But I, I want to get to something you said because I think
1: that's interesting. But th- what? Uh, listen, man. A uh, black person is more likely to be pulled over that's because not true. they were profiled as black. First of all, black. that's not
0: true. Man, it's because we, blacks live in areas that have higher crime and therefore police patrol them more. No, this has no, been done uh, by uh, Dr. Le, Rowland in Harvard University. Let me
1: give you a study. There,
0: again, we're going to go study I know. collision here. So let me just give you one. I, whatever one you, you got. I got three I got to you. say the but opposite. I,
1: out of New York, right? Out of New York. This came from their own data. New York reported this. Chicago reported it. Um, Maryland reported it, you got a lot of them, uh, that said, listen, we're pulling over black folks in this community at a rate 10 times higher than any other racial group. And we're not finding any higher percentage of contraband or illegal activity than the, well, the illegal activity is not true. Cops okay.
0: make up 50 plus percent of the, I mean, not cops, blacks get make up 50% of the cop killers in New York. Come on, man. Every single statistic is that there's a disproportionate amount of crime committed in New York versus the percentage quartile.
1: But that's fine. I mean, what's the point? I'm going back to the systemic racism issue that police departments have reported on themselves and then invited diversity experts because these cops see a problem in their own implicit bias. Their own implicit bias. So you're arguing something that they actually agree. We have implicit bias, so when we looked at our pullover ratios, when we looked at who we're actually uh, engaging with based on a what's called a pretextual stop, they tend to be black and brown, and we need to stop doing that based on a profile structure. And they have brought in diversity experts to help them understand, acknowledge, and hopefully eliminate their own bias. So I just want to
0: give a, okay. a shout out to, I think it's Dr. Roland Breyer, I could be wrong, from okay. Harvard University, black black. Professor, who said there is no evidence of what you just said? But again,
1: that's, that's a lie. But again, that, you could, that, you could that, go that, debate him. That's now, the point. Now, let, I, let me say, it. what's his name again?
0: I, I could get it wrong. It is Dr.
1: Roland Breyer. If Dr. Roland Breyer said that, where your camera from? Your ha- camera, right Harvard there. Harvard University. Uh, you a damn liar, and I would appreciate you to debate me any day. Whoever said yeah, he did that a study of hundreds, no, but so, if he said but, there's no evidence to suggest that, that is well, a damn lie. Let me
0: ask you a question. Okay. When Obama's DOJ studied police departments, why didn't they find? That sort of but racial they did. profile. No, they but they didn't. did. Not wait in a Ferguson, minute. Wait a minute. No, not that, in Chicago. On, brother, wait a minute. Wait a minute.
1: Wait a minute. Charlie, you know, stepped in it now, Charlie. Not only did the DOJ find um, bias and racially motivated practices, the DOJ also reported that white supremacists were the greatest domestic threat to infiltrating law enforcement agencies, and that is something that the federal government needs to keep their eye on. That's in the same report. That same report also created- I'm I'm familiar with it. You are familiar with it, so you
0: know what you just said is bunk. Well, no, the thing that they were talking about was Ferguson in particular, which was a big issue in 2014-15 and found no systemic bias. And also they did a study mm-hmm. in Baltimore, which is another one of that, but we could go study back, study collision back and forth. I yeah, guess the question is this. So systemic racism, yep. um, would imply laws. So what law on the books harms black people more than white people? I give you one. Because I could <clears throat> give you a law that hurts white people more than black people.
1: All right. Which one? Go ahead. Affirmative action. Okay. That's it. That's not true.
0: OK, well, a black person with a lower test score That's is able to go. It is. I mean, it's it's true. I mean, the let, Supreme let me, Court upheld affirmative action with I, that sort of. Objective I want you to do data. some
1: homework on this. You know, the number one um, demographic to benefit from affirmative action. Um, I wouldn't say it would be Asian-Americans. You but don't know. I, I'm going I to don't. tell you. Are you. Tell me. White females, white women are part of the affirmative action directive. White females, based on all of the data of affirmative action and the diversity hires, white women benefit more so than any other demographic under the affirmative action clause. Now, the reason why you assumed it was black people is because you've heard these talking points. about well, I didn't say
0: it. About but I, I have said, though, that. We know the data based submitted in the Supreme Court case that black people were being submitted with lower test scores. But
1: all right. And I, I and by the way, for the record, I disagree with that practice just on the face. Okay, of OK, I'm glad all we right? do. But as far as affirmative action is concerned, the number one demogra- demographic that benefits from affirmative action are white. Women.
0: I'll keep an open mind to that. Yep. You might be right. So but Com- tell me what laws on the books might benefit black people, more, benefit <laughs> white people more than black people. because well, that let, would go to the argument of systemic racism, absolutely. wouldn't
1: it? Uh, and, and sometimes it's not the policy, it's the culture. So let, let me. Put it this way, you can have the right policy in writing. You can have the right policy, but then you have a culture inside of that agency. Culture will eat policy alive every day. So you may have a no profile policy, right? That's on the books. That's actually part of your standard operating protocol. But you still profile black and brown people because your culture will eat policy alive any day. Uh, and let me let me highlight a, a simple law that I think we can all understand. Um, In the state of Georgia, Senate Bill 202, even Lindsey Graham went on Fox News and said it was a dumbass rule. Senate Bill 202, which is a voter restriction bill. Republicans spend it as a voter access bill. There's a part of the bill. There are many parts of the bill. There's a part of the bill that says it's a misdemeanor, a crime up to one year in jail. If you give someone food or water that's waiting in a line. Now, some people try to say, no, 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 no. This, this is if you're electioneering. No, we already had that on the books. It's already illegal to campaign at a precinct. The law was clear. It said anyone, anyone who gives a person food or drink in a line will be punished by up to one year in jail. So, so you know, the practice of warming a line going up to a
0: precinct. But let, le- but the let, point let me let me ha- let happy me. to dive into that. But yeah. So why does that affect
1: black people? Ninety eight percent of the long lines in Georgia are black precincts, number one. Number two, during the last election cycle, churches, nonprofit organizations, these are nonpartisan groups. They ran massive commercials and put out leaflets in black communities. And they said, listen, we know that your precinct always has long lines. OK, that's just the reality in this particular precinct. We want you to come out anywhere and vote. And if you do, we got chairs for you. We're gonna have food for your mama, there. We're gonna have water for everybody, and we are nonpartisan. We're not gonna tell you who to vote for. That's already against the law. That impacted 98% of black precincts, brother. When they passed a law that so, said you can go to prison for one year, even Lindsey Graham said their so provision that provision su- was that's ridiculous. Super nuanced,
0: but if the intent it, of the it bill, is nuanced, but it's like, not nuanced no, to ask, black I'm folks. I'm gonna, who get water. I'm gonna ask a question about it. going ask a question about it because I think it's important. Okay. So. The, the, the water thing, it's been months since I've talked about the Georgia bill. Okay. I know there was some nuance to it yep. that I've probably forgotten. But SB 202, you said, right? That's right. If it was designed against black people, why did it expand Sunday voting, which helps black pastors <laughs> go so sort to of the polls? Why would that happen?
1: See, that's another misnomer. I'm glad to educate you, brother. Um, so what they did in Senate Bill 202 is require a weekend voting standard. On see, Sunday. See, no, they did not require it on Sunday. That, that's not true. That's not in the bill. Georgia has 159 counties before this state law of Senate Bill 202, each county was able to utilize their own determination as to when they would do early voting or weekend voting. As a matter of fact, brother, most counties did not do weekend voting. Most of them did not. Okay, but the metropolitan counties did. And that's your large concentration of black folk. But it is expanded to Sunday voting. Just listen to me. They were able to do Sunday voting for weeks. These counties can make the rules based on the matrix of the statute that already existed, okay? If you wanted to do five Sunday votings, you can do it. No problem. Here's what the state did. The state said, okay, y'all, we're gonna limit this down to just a couple of weekends where you could choose to do Saturday or Sunday voting. So for the other counties that are ruling white, they now are mandated to do at least one weekend voting standard or two. And the counties that are black, urban and Democrat, to be frank with you, they now have to limit how many days they do early voting based on the statute. And because of the statewide part of the statute, Republicans can argue it was an expansion, but it limited the metropolitan counties. So I'm I'm not going to. But why mess with it so is the
0: question. L- let me just make sure I'm, I'm make understanding this. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond. OK, which is I asked, is America systemically racist? You yep. said yes. Yep. And the evidence is that all of a sudden there's a restriction of giving out water and voting lines and Sunday voting. I'm just giving
1: you some examples the, of how certain laws impact 98 percent of black communities. Yeah, but the,
0: you got to be you got to admit. You're reaching at straws. No, at that no, point. no. I mean, come on. From from arrest. Bring, bring a Nalgene or something. Come on. If you get so thirsty
1: in line <laughs> to vote. I mean, come Charlie, on. Charlie, listen, man. For, is, is, for that, you, is that really a first for, for it, you? You can say that from your point of view. We have seen these laws passed that are adversarial to us. I mean, think about this. You're in a black community. You're going up to give somebody water. We don't need any more pretext for arrest. We don't need that. We already know disparities exist. We already know that targeting exists. Disparities don't exist. It it, it does exist. The the, The only disparities that exist are based on
0: class, not
1: race. But go ahead. Do do some black folk get targeted by white cops? Has that ever happened?
0: And vice versa.
1: But has it ever happened? Of course it's happened. Okay. All right. So is it systemic?
0: No, the opposite is actually true. The study showed that cops are mm. less likely to actually arrest and abuse black people and more likely to abuse Asian or white people. That's what Man, the studies what, have shown. what
1: in the hell study are you reciting? Anything
0: from the Manhattan Institute oh to Roland gosh. Breyer to Thomas Sowell to independent All analysis right, so, of data. So
1: I would take you to Ohio State University, California, uh, University of California, Berkeley. I take you uh, to Clark Atlanta University. Many of these research scientists have conducted not only these studies in real life, but they've reviewed the data and the data is clear. But when we talk about disparities, man, or, or racial uh, profiling and systemic um, prejudice, systemic bias, we're talking about laws that adversely impact a particular group, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. Remember, I told you that the bias can be implicit. Now, the Georgia, you can't prove
0: the, implicit bias. The, I was going to get jo- to that. Well, well yeah.
1: in, implicit bias, that's me giving you the benefit of the doubt. That's me saying, OK, you just wrote a law that only impacts 98% of black people you you just wrote I'm going to say you were implicitly biased, because if I don't say that, I would have to say you were hyper biased. So let's just uh, be very
0: clear. The reason that was written is because people were giving out things of value in exchange for voting. No, no, sir. Yes, that's that that is, not why it
1: was written. That but, was already but, the law in Georgia. You th- could not do that point, in the state which is of Georgia. To, and it's against federal election law. You're, you're, that's you're blaming already against something on
0: racism that could be blamed let, on let something. Me, let me give you. Now, now
1: you're in whataboutism now. So let me go to the uh, anti-gang laws. Right. Georgia has, them. a lot of states have these gang laws, anti-gang laws. What do they say at the root? They say, if you commit a crime and we can prove that you're part of a gang, we can add this much to your sentence. We can enhance the sentencing uh, dynamic. Charlie, in the state of Georgia, 99% of that clause has been used against black kids. 99%. You know how many uh, KKK members have been arrested in Georgia. Plenty. They never charged them with the gang statute. Never.
0: So why do you think you think it's because of racism?
1: You're damn right, it's because of racism. Not because the law, of class. The law not wasn't of... written for. You think the KKK is a higher class than a Crip? Come on, man. That's the question, isn't it? Okay. So just think about this, brother. You have an anti-gang statute on the books. 99% of your application from prosecutors is to black kids, so what percentage even though they are still locking up Klan members and not charging them again, under the gang I'm, statute. I'm not going to
0: get into the specifics. I don't know. But what percentage of gang violence in Georgia is black on black gangs?
1: Yeah, I don't have that. OK, data. so that would but, be helpful,
0: right? To well, see what not, that number not, is and correlate far, it with prosecution. But we
1: know that. Do you think if you're a member of the damn... Uh, Ku Klux Klan. I'm no
0: fan of the KKK. I
1: got you. Okay. If you're a member of them, you you're in a gang, right? That's a gang.
0: I, I would I would agree. That's a gang.
1: Right. That's I not also believe that that's
0: a gang. It's insignificant, small, and ever decreasing. It's not an exit. <laughs> I've never met one of these people. Right. I don't know where they are, who they are.
1: The largest gang bust in the history of Georgia happened three months ago. They arrested 78 gangsters. Eight of them were still at large during that massive arrest. They were called the ghost face gangsters. All white. You, you heard about it? No, I didn't. No. Isn't that a shame? Because if it would have been 78 black gangsters, Crips, Power Blood, can't Gangster Disciples. make that argument. Come on, brother. If, if the largest gang bust in the history of a state See, and is, the second is, this is, this largest the in the history of the country happened and you being a person that's a conveyor of news, never heard of it.
0: Why? That, see, this is the problem is just okay. because there's a disparity doesn't mm. mean there's discrimination. It mm. doesn't mean that there's racism. There's other reasons why there could be disparities. Tell me and, why. And Tell so me why. Let's, I got
1: all their mugshots on my social media page. Well, Tell again, me I'm why to, you I, never heard I'm of it. I'm
0: not getting why I haven't heard of it. Maybe because it's not a, a story that I felt would necessary of covering. Maybe it okay. wasn't on national news. I'm and not it r- exactly been, sure. Man. I agree with you, it should have been, but you can't okay. possibly blame racism on that. So we yeah. only have a couple minutes, like we literally have two minutes remaining. I want to give you this opportunity just to kind of make your closing argument and kind of summarize it all together.
1: Man, let me say this, brother. I don't want to make a closing argument to argue well, with you. What, I, whatever, just I, like I, that. I, yeah. I want to say this to you. Uh, you are a brilliant mind. Thank you. What Likewise. you're doing here, thank you. What you're doing here is going to provide clarity. We don't have to agree. The push and pull of the republic or the democracy, whatever you want to call it, all right, is based on open, free, transparent, and authentic dialogue. And even though I disagree with you about 90% of the time, you are authentic in what you believe. And brother, I go to war for you any day.
0: Thank you. And this sort of discussion is exactly... What makes america special and to be able to disagree and still figure out kind of what we're doing so i just want to make sure i plug all of give an opportunity for people to follow you or
1: to engage with you please absolutely Uh, social media uh twitter uh ig at rashad underscore richie that's r-a-s-h-a-d underscore r-i-c-h-e-y you can check me out on the young turks uh, network uh, indisputable with dr rashad richie and also my radio program news and talk 1380 w-a-o-k The Rashad Richard Morning Show Monday through Friday. Very good.
0: Well, thank you so much, Doctor. It's a lot of fun. Thank you, man. Thanks.
1: Okay. Good. (laughs) Good. Woo. Great. Damn, brother.
0: Thank you. That's great.